Alright, let's get into the word of God today. Let's get to the word of God today. So, today we're going to talk about the cross of Jesus. And we're going to talk about how the cross changes everything. How the cross changes everything. Please allow me to just read a few verses. That I, I need to read about maybe... 15 verses, so allow me to just read from our heart as I preach to you, you know, but we're going to read about two of them, two of them. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 11. The Bible says this, Wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, so this is metaphor. See, when you read the Bible, you must always take note of the metaphors. So when it says you were Gentiles in the flesh, it's not talking about Gentiles, it says in the flesh. So, it says, you are Gentiles in the flesh who are called on circumcision. Even that on circumcision is also metaphoric. Because if you, most of you here, I think, should be circumcised. I guess not everyone, but most people should be circumcised as a male. You know, that's what I mean. It says, you know, so it's metaphoric. It's not like it's direct. It's not as if as a woman you have to be circumcised. That's not what it's saying. It says, which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands. The Bible says, that at the times you were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, as strangers from the covenant of promise. Having, see how the Bible describes people that don't know God. The Bible says, having no hope. See, it's, a, it's powerful because when the Bible says having no hope, what does that mean? It means, it doesn't mean that they are not alive. But there's no hope outside where they are. So, those kind of people, if they go to the hospital and the doctor gives them a death diagnosis, there's no more hope. Their hope is in physical things. Their hope is in what men can say. If, if they said the mind is going to crash, there is no hope. What does it mean? If you are in Jesus, then there is hope. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. hallelujah. Lord, I pray I just don't blow up today. Praise God. Because I was going to say something else. You know, but maybe I should just go ahead and say, one of the things the cross reminds me of is this. Failure and loss will never be the final statement. That's true. That's one of the things the cross reminds me of. That failure, pain, and shame will never be final. That after it, there's going to be joy. Glory to God. So, I, I know people think of resurrection and say lots of things. But when I see the cross, it's a big, it's a big reminder to me that, hey, it's not going to end up on the bad notes. Oh, glory to God. The people that saw Jesus hung on the cross, they thought it was over. They forgot that three days later, he's going to come out of the tomb. And he's going to come out victorious, glory to God. I know you're going through situations and people think you're over. But guess what? You're coming back alive. Because the cross is a symbol of resurrection. It's not going to end on a final note. I don't know what the doctor said. I don't know what the finances say. I don't know what the relationship said. I don't know what happened to your teenage child. I don't know what's going on in your country. All I know is this. If Jesus did not end on the bad and terrible and failure note, I will not end that way. It will turn out in victory. Somebody say hallelujah. Every time you said the cross, don't just say nice cross. No, let the cross remind you it doesn't end bad. Oh, glory to God. You, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know if you watch some movies, but when you watch some movies, I know there's a key actor, the positive guy. You know, in, in the movies, I, I don't know if you have my background. I know my background sometimes could be very traditional and local, and so we are very, you know, otherwise. In my, when I was growing up, you know, they told me that the bad guy is called the boss. And the boss, yes, boss. They say the good guy is called the actor. 
So, during the movie, when it seemed as if they want to knock out the actor, he would almost die. But something miraculous is always happen that it will not die. Because the actor must wait to the end of the movie. Glory to God. You are the actor. No matter how much you're going to be knocked out. Almost is never. Somebody say hallelujah. Glory to God. I warned you that this morning I want to start on a very gentle note. Praise God. So that we can get somewhere. He says this. Who? He says those answer Christ have no hope. So there's a difference between those outside Christ and those in Christ. Every time you feel hopeless, remind yourself I'm in Christ. And because I'm in Christ, there's always hope. Because I have strength outside my strength. I have resources outside my resources. I have help outside my help. They say to you, in this industry, nobody can get ahead if you don't have connection. And all your friends say, we are hopeless. They are hopeless because they don't have the Godfather in the flesh. But you have the Godfather as your father. They say for you to do, I mean, I mean, someone was telling me about the contract they got, and they said for you to want to bid for it, I think you need some kind of bond for about maybe five million dollars. He says, and just not that so many people. And he told me that, he said, when they said that, I said, my God is able. In me, I don't know how I can get it, but my God is able. Someone says, how will you get married at 40? I have hope beyond hope. Naturally, people don't say, how can it happen? How can it happen for me? I don't know. That's what the Bible says about Abraham. The Bible says, Abraham believed in hope against hope. That means, what does that mean? Naturally speaking, there was no reason for him to believe again. Naturally speaking, there was no reason for him to think he could have a promotion. Naturally speaking, there's no reason for him to think in a year like this, after all of COVID, there could be an expansion. What everybody expects is a contraction. But the Bible says, Abraham had hope against hope. My brother and sister, don't limit what God can do. Yeah, you are a Christian. You have hope beyond your means. Every time you sit across the cross, there's a picture of hope. There's a picture of the power of God. There's a picture of hope. Someone says, how will you get a job? They find everybody. I have hope beyond hope. Someone says, how will you get the healing? I have hope beyond hope. One lady, one, one, one lady sent me a testimony from Next Level Prayers. And you know, I mean, even yesterday, when we were having this meeting with some of the, uh, we have this connect group in London, and um, just a small group, they meet to pray, so I joined the meeting yesterday, and one of the ladies was praying and said, Lord, I want, I want God to give me, like, help me with my papers. And the lady said, Pastor, before we pray, let me share my testimony. He said, he said, when I wanted papers, all the men were saying that, don't worry, sleep with me, get pregnant, yeah, then I will, I will, I will sponsor your paper in London. He said, how can men be saying that when my hope is in God? He said, I refuse to bow down to the God of Egypt, so that the God of Daniel, Shadrach, and Abednego can stand up for me. He said, long and short of it. He said, he said, one of the prayers you prayed for us to remember, help us, help us remember us. And one guy called me and said, go back to the website and check all this option. Long and short, he was, she was sponsored the visa. She didn't have to sleep with someone to get it. Hope against hope. You know the challenge is this. This is a challenge. The moment you really think that you're hopeless, you will become hopeless. The moment you really think and say, it's going to help me. It's going to fix this. How is this going to change? You're very correct. You're going to become that way. But the moment you begin to see hope beyond your hope, you'll find hope. And that's where faith is. The fight of faith is the fight to believe when you cannot see it. 
my God. What is the fight of faith? The fight of faith is the fight to believe when you cannot see it. It's the fight to hold on when it doesn't look like that. It's the fight to hold on when things are caving in. Just imagine for three days, for three days, what the apostles were going through in their mind because Jesus was dead the first day, the second day. And they said, is this the end of our followership? Is it the end of the signs and wonders ministry? They, our master is gone. Just imagine what Peter told John. Imagine what Thomas was saying. Imagine all the conversation in the room because they thought it was over. And even the third day, they were so discouraged, nobody went to the tomb. Well, thank God for women. Thank God for women. Because the first person that saw Jesus that I rose from the dead was a woman. Bible says, and when she rose from the dead, he says, Mary. He said, Rabboni, glory to God. That's what the Greek says. He said, Rabboni. He looked. He said, don't touch me. I have not ascended to my father. Then Mary didn't even ask for, <laughs> I love women. They didn't even need too much to believe. She took off. She didn't say, let me take a picture. Let me take a selfie. Let me tweet. She didn't even remember. She took off. And told the apostles, reason. He said, where's the proof? He says, I don't have to see to believe. I said, the biggest fight you have to is a fight to hold on where you can't see anything. So, so the biggest fight you will have in your life as a Christian is not a demonic fight. It's a fight to keep believing when the doctor says you can have a child. It's a fact to keep believing when you have gone through a heartbreak that you'll find someone that will love you and treat you valuable. It's a fact to keep believing that that deal for 1.5 billion naira was going to come through. It's a fact to keep believing that you can scale to a business of a hundred thousand dollars, a salary of a hundred thousand dollars. It's the fight because as soon as you believe, sometimes things just go against you. But this is what you know. You know what? It doesn't matter what goes here or there. I believe. I believe. I believe. And let me say something to you. A lot of people do not pray, not because they don't want to pray. In their heart, deep down, they don't see prayer as a productive activity. And that's why they don't engage in it. So when you say, let's pray, they're like, what's the point? I prayed all my life and I saw no result. What's the point of praying now? And listen to me, this is, the, this, is a, this is how things change. You don't change things by just saying, okay, I'll go for it. Just saying that, you know what? I'm going to begin to walk by faith. Though there are circumstances that say prayer is not working, that I see naturally, I'm going to change my belief system and begin to believe God's word. What does God's word say? God's word says that ask and ye shall receive, seek and ye shall find, knock and the door shall be opened. So the only reason why I go back to prayer is this, and listen to me, if you struggle with praying, that's the only reason why you struggle with praying. Because in your heart, somewhere in your heart, prayer does not work for you. That's the truth. Why the most people struggle in prayer? That's the reason why. Because somewhere in your heart, you really believe that prayer doesn't work for you. And it's from a deep, it's a deep conviction that I prayed so many times and I saw nothing. So you say, well, let's pray. What's the use praying? What's going to happen will happen. And once you get into that place, you're bought into a lie. The way Satan destroys people is by lying to them. He lied to Eve. He says, if you eat this fruit, you'll become like God. So he's lying to you right now. Prayer doesn't work for you. It doesn't really work for you. It doesn't really work for you. And the moment you buy the lie, you lose the garden. The same way lost Eden, when you buy the thing that prayer does not work for you, you lose it. And let's face it. Does prayer not work for you? There's nobody prayer does not work for. The difference is this. You are just focused on what has not happened. You are not focused on what has happened. Because human beings, we move on so easily. This was you. 
when we were praying for a husband, it was almost life and death. You forgot that. When we were praying for one millionaire, it was almost life and death. You were praying for a house, it was almost life and death. And now you come to a conclusion, just because of this one that is pending, that it's not working. Come on! Let's lay back, back to the scriptures. Glory to God. Alright, so back, back to the scriptures, a long reading. The Bible says in verse, um, verse 20, verse 13, I love this. Please take note of these very powerful words. He says, but now, um, verse 12, we says, having no hope in, in, having no hope without God in this world. So, no hope means without God in this world, meaning that with God in this world equals to hope, verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, see what it says, you, we were, which were what? Sometimes far off. Have now been made near. Hey, we are not far from God. That's why you can never hear me say things like, Father, as I come into your presence, come where? That's where I live. That's where I live. I don't go and come into his presence. So I said, but sometimes I can't feel God. God is not a feeling, he's a spirit. He says, we were sometimes afar off. We've been made close. Where are we? The Bible says we are seated together with him, far above, principalities and powers. That's what the cross did for me. Glory to God. You must know that there's a difference between the people that came before Jesus Christ died and people that lived after he died. Before he died, they lived afar off. They were always looking for him to come. They were always for him to go because he hadn't died. But when he died and rose from the dead, this is what he says. He says, I'm with you forever by the Holy Ghost. In the Old Testament, he was not with them forever. That's why David would say, cast me not away from your presence. They used to visit. It was a visitation. If you went to a boarding school, you understand the concept of visiting days. If you are in a hospital, you understand visiting hours. You can come and live there. It was a visitation. But now that Jesus has died and raised, been raised from the dead, he doesn't visit again. He stays in us. Somebody say hallelujah. We don't come, we, we, you, know, um, you know, we don't come and go. You know what that does to you as a child of God? When you go for an interview, you remind yourself I'm not alone. This is this what destroys the fear. What destroys the fear? The consciousness that thou art with me, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Hey, hey, I'm in a plane. The plane wants to tumble this way and tumble that way. You say, The Lord is with me. The Lord is with me. He says, I can feel the plane shaking. I know what I can't feel is the Lord being with me, but the Lord is with me. One time, someone went for an interview. He said, When he got there and he saw all the places. The last stage of people were Harvard, all these big universities, and they looked at his own. Osu. Osu. Osu is a local university in Nigeria. He said he began to he began to have complex. They've not even interviewed him all. Because he was just talk, they were just all sitting down, but he could hear the proper British accent. Hello, how are you? Oh, what is good? I want to know it. Know it. Oh, good. You know, my professor in Yale actually went back to lecture. Now, do you know professor this? And they were talking about not rich about Harvard and Howard and, and Kellogg's. And he was like, Masters in Osu. Sorry, first degree in Osu. Masters in LBS. Where's the hope? He said, Pastor, I went to the bedroom. The reason why is that the way you feel will determine how you behave. 
and you'll be able to determine your results. Once inferiority complex gets in, you'll not have the right results. He says he went to do the betrayal. He said himself, he said, Christ is in me, it's the hope of glory. He said, I may not have what they have, but I have something more than what they have. He said, silver or gold I have not, but such as I have, I give unto you. Hallelujah. He began to declare and declare. He came out very bold. By the time he got there, they wonder, why are you so bold? He said, because I know what I have. Long and short of the story, the brother got a job. Listen to me. One step is to know what you, what you have. The second step is to know how to use it. How do you learn how to use it? By allowing it to feel, to influence your mind. So someone say, resurrection, resurrection. What does it mean? The first meaning of resurrection is this. Failure can never be the final. Because after the cross, there was resurrection. That's the first thing. As you go today, as you listen, I don't know what you seem as sin. It's failing. Failure can never be final. Oh, you lost the culture. That can be the final state. You lost a job. That can be the final state. You lost a relationship. That can be the final state. You lost a pregnancy. That can be the final state. Oh, you, you, you lost money. That can be the final state. Because after the cross comes resurrection. Glory to God. Let me tell you something. Let, let me back up a little bit because now I'm too, I'm too full. I'm, I'm sure Pastor Mungai is like, okay, where's all this? Pastor Jesus like, where's all this coming from now? I saw this question on social media and it said that Christianity doesn't make sense. It said, how does God that knows everything, knows that man will fall, made him and he fell, he now sent Jesus Christ to come and save him? He said, these are the questions that Christians cannot answer. It pained me because I wish the person could direct the question very well, direct it, so that I can give him direct answer. I said, because firstly, the person, so this, this is a question. Why did God make everything when he knew it was going to fail? And if you know the answer, it will change your life forever. First of all, let me just give you the answer in a nutshell. The reason why God made everything, even though he knew it was going to fail, is this. God knew failure was correctable. That's it. God knew failure was what? So, God does not run away from failure because it can be corrected. It's human beings are always passive. No, 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 no. Why are you running? God says failure is correctable. You had the child outside wedlock, correctable. You had the divorce, correctable. Your body's not doing well. Correctable. Failure is correctable. So this is what God did. Firstly, you must understand two things about God. God respects human will. That means whatever you want to do, God cannot force you to do otherwise. Or else what he has made is a robot. The second thing is this. Not just human will. The second thing is this. That God has foreknowledge. Foreknowledge does not mean God makes everything happen. What is foreknowledge? Foreknowledge is knowledge beforehand. It's called foreknowledge. Yeah. Foreknowledge does not mean I made it happen because I knew it ahead of time. Let's give an example. Um, there's a new movie right now. What's the new movie's name called? What? Say, my sister, you said something. Yeah. God, God calling. Okay, God calling. I don't know what the movie is, but I assume that she's watched it. This is my beautiful sister here has watched it. So, 
If I now say, let's go to the cinema together, and there's a scene, and I go like, oh, 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 it's a Pastor B, don't worry, they'll not kill anybody, watch. She telling me they'll not kill anybody, watch. Does that make her the one that made that happen? No. All she had was what? Foreknowledge. This is what happens. Human being lives in time. So this is human being. Past, present, and future. God does not live in time. Time lives in God. So, human beings move towards timelessness. So guess what? From where God is, God can see the past. God can see the present. God can see the future. So this is what God does. So when God wants to do something, hey, who is going to help me now? When God wants to do something, three from the choir, come quickly. Come quickly. Come quickly. Three persons from the choir, come. Just the most handsome and beautiful. Just come. If you're not just the most handsome and beautiful, just come. Exactly. Those that are not handsome and beautiful can stay. The most handsome and beautiful can come. Praise God. Wonderful. See what God does. This is God. Okay, so you're the only male. Please, can you, can you stand here? I, I want to just stand and face her. Face Mrs. Palladini. This is what God does. This is this man. God wants to make sure at the end of the day, this man will get here. That's what God wants for him. So, so be, be, so be going. Watch this now. Because the man has his will, God cannot determine if he will get there or not. He can't. God cannot force him. So this is what God does. God looks into the future. He knows how he will behave. So, God comes into the presence to use the knowledge of his behavior to orchestrate him getting there. Most, most people say that ah, God wanted to destroy Pharaoh. God did not have a hand with Pharaoh. God knew Pharaoh's heart was hardened. He told Moses why he had seen it. So when the Bible says, I will harden the heart of Pharaoh, it was a human way of expressing in the present tense what God has seen in the future. The ten plagues of Egypt were not towards Pharaoh. There were ten major gods in Egypt. It was to humble all the gods. There was a god for all the plagues demonstrated where their god power was. So guess what? As he's moving, God uses the knowledge of what he has. So he wants to move out of his will. Out of, God uses the knowledge. God says, okay, move out. But God will put his speaker here. So that it will what turn. Then he wants to move here again. God will put someone here. So that he will turn. So all of a sudden, the person finds himself exactly where God wants him to be. That's why this thing I've said is limited and it's very limited. I wish I had more time to explain it, but I can't do that today. That's why we always tell you, the purpose of God is what cannot change. It's only people that will change. Because God will achieve his purpose one way. God already knows who will fail. So he has factored in the person's failure. Listen to me. God knew that you will not be married at 38. And he knew you want to get married. So he has factored in somebody also that should have married. That did not marry so that he can marry you. God knew you will lose the money. And he factored it that when he loses the money, this will happen. What you call coincidence is the hand of God orchestrating things. So watch it now. This is Adam. 
So let me, let me put the example very well. I said, if God wants a man to get somewhere, it's not really a man he wants. It's his plan. God's plan is this. That man will be connected to Christ. This is God's plan. So he made Adam from Eden. So this is Eden. Adam is in Eden now. Oh yeah, move towards God's plan. Adam refused to move. Satan came in the middle, hijacked. See, all that will happen, God has seen it. He said, that's good. So Satan will hijack him here. That's good. But that's good. If, if Satan wants to take him away, I will put something here to make sure they can redirect them. And everything comes back to my plan. God says, I'm not afraid of it failing. I'm still in control. If you understand this, your perspective to failure will not beat up yourself. Because even from where I am, God can finish his work. When you think of God's plan, think of chess. The chess you play. Every player plays thinking what the other person has in mind. That's how God is. He doesn't think what you have in mind. He knows what you have in mind. He knows your next move. So he factors your next move into his own move. So that you will be where exactly he wants to be. And people that do real setup. Mastermind setup, you will say that. Are you sure? You will think you are acting something else, but they are exactly where they want you to be, when they want you to be, saying what they want you to say. That's what the Bible says. All things work together for good. They say you don't have a child. They say the reason why is this because you are the one that thinks. Because when you understand, oh glory to God. God bless you. Thank you, a few of you. Let's let's go ahead and shout hallelujah. So one of the beauty of the Easter stories is this. That failure is not final. That failure is convertible. So when someone says to you, why did God, because human nature, how do you know something will fail and you make it? God says, because I can turn the failure into success. The failure will ultimately end up to fulfill my plan. And when that fulfills this plan, it fulfills it in a better way than it was intended before. You know why? We are superior to what Adam was. Someone says, really? Although the world is not perfect, and we will get better, Adam never, never had the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. He never had it. He never had, Bible says, he was what? A quickness, and was a, he was a living soul. He didn't have the indwelling of the Holy Ghost. God says, with every attempt to cause failure, I do a better version. That's amazing. So you know what that does to me? When I fail, when I used, when I was younger, I would beat up myself. I didn't do it, I did it. When I fail, listen to me. You know why you beat up yourself? Because you trust in yourself so much. You, you're so, you're so, you're like, you're like, I'm this, I'm that. I'm like Paul. In my flesh, there's nothing good. Like I don't even expect anything from my flesh. So when I fail, I'm like, Lord, thank you because you know I will mess up. The opportunity for breakthrough has come now. Praise God. I say hallelujah. I say hallelujah. Let, let, let's try, let's begin to close this. Oh wow. <laughs> the Bible says this, for he is our peace. Who made both one and at broke, oh my God. He says he has broken down the middle wall of partition between us. There was a partition. See, this is the thing. Let me just tell you the rest of the scripture. Deuteronomy, I think in chapter 21 or 26. God says that people should be hung on a tree. Why? He says, anyone hung on a tree is a curse. But what is a curse for? He says, so watch this now. When the person is hung on a tree, God asks for that particular kind of punishment for someone 
that that hanging of a tree will redeem the cost from the whole of humanity. That's what it is. Why am I saying this to you? God says there was a division between us and God. A huge division. And God says, by Jesus hanging on a tree, what did he do? He removed it. That's why, watch this sit down. The cross is four ways. This is what the cross looks like. Very symbolic. The head towards heaven, the earth touching the, touching the earth. The, sorry, the other part touching the earth. Meaning what? The part, the head touching towards heaven is the God, God way. The leg touching the earth, humanity, that's earthly. God said for the first time, humanity and divinity come together in one. Then there's the right and the left. The right was the Jews that had relationship with God. The left were the non-Jews. God says, what will matter will no longer be Jews or Gentile. I will bring everything back together as a Christian. Glory to God. I said glory to God. I said glory to God. The Bible says, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, the enmity, the laws of commandment, containing ordinance to make himself of twine, one new man. See, to make one new man, so he made peace. He says that he may reconcile us back to God, one body by the cross, having slain the enmity between them. Uh, oh, glory to God. Having slain the enmity between them. Verse, verse, verse 18. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. See what it says. He says, through him, we what? We both. Who are the both? We are Jesus. It says, you want to know how your access to the Father is? It says, the same way the access, Jesus has the access. Because Jesus is the prototype of the Christian. He says, the same way Jesus had access, you have access. Let me close with this. Let me get two people from the choir again. Just but, but smaller, small. Because I want to put my hands on their head. If not from the choir, maybe some from the musicians. Where, where's that drama? You're talking drama, yes? Yeah? So, someone, yeah. Just get someone to come. Just yes, someone. Please, you just you might just need to kneel. It's not like oh, you just bring a chair. I don't want to pray for you. I want to give an example. Who's tiny again? Uh, you're not tiny, but at least we, you, you're doing well. You know, you're doing well. Another person, like just okay. Someone else can just come. Someone else can just can just come. Watch this. I want to close with this. I think this is Genesis chapter forty-nine. Jacob was about to die. Joseph brought the two sons and said, Hey, father, bless them with my two sons. So, you know, Jacob was dying. This, this is Jacob dying. Bless my two sons. Stay beside her. And Jacob took his hands. And, and Joseph was very smart. So he made sure that the two sons are here. And he says, why? So that when Jacob wants to bless them, this is the firstborn, this is the secondborn. What will happen? The right hand will be on the right on the firstborn. Because you will have the senior blessing. Because the right hand means the hand of authority and prominence. That's one of the verses. When the Bible says the right hand of the father is not right hand. You know, someone says there's the right hand. There's no right hand left. You know, right is metaphoric. So it says this is the right, this is the left. So Jacob, it was time for Jacob to bless. And Jacob said, He bless them. He said, Yeah, yeah. I put it. And Jacob said, Oh, Father, bless them. And 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 Joseph said, Sir, sir, stop. He said, you are making a mistake. He said, this is the first one. That's why I put it by your right hand. And Jacob said, let it be so. Because the younger will be superior to the older. The older will serve the younger. What is that telling us? In Jesus, there was an exchange. That's why it's called the cross. 
Why is he called the cross? This is Jesus. This is me. How Jesus should have been treated. How, what he should have. God says, at the cross, I crossed my hands. Meaning that what Jesus should have, I give it to you. What you should have, death, sickness, rejection, pain, I give it to Jesus. At the cross, there was a crossing of hands. You know what that means to me today? Thank you, my sisters. You know what that means to me today? There's no curse on my life. Can Jesus be cursed? Why? Because, because you don't understand. This is the thing. God has, everybody cross your hands this way. Everybody cross your hands. Say, God has crossed his hands on my life. Hey! God has crossed his hands on your life. Naturally, you should be going through curses, delay, pain, shame, rejection, sickness, no child, no husband, delay, stagnation. But no! Why? Because God has crossed his hands on my life. On the cross, there was an exchange. What should come to me went to him. What should go to him came to me. That's what the Bible says in First John. As he is, so am I in this world. You, you know what that tells me as a person? When I go through life, there's no reason to fear failure. There's no reason to fear shame because those are the things that are not part of me. Because his hands is crossed. There's a boldness in which I live life. It's not about living in a country. See, you know, my blessing is not attached to either I live in Nigeria or live in Canada. It's the hand that has been crossed on my life that is a matter. Hands has been crossed on my life. You see, my life is not in the hands of the doctors, praise God. My hands is not in the hands of the physician, praise God. Hands has been crossed on my life. His hands is crossed on my life. What should have gone to Jesus now comes to me. What should have come to me has gone to Jesus. Because that's what the cross is. It's a place of crossing. Praise God. You know what that talks to me? Why should I believe that God does not like me? How? How will I say God does not like me? Because you don't understand. If he doesn't like me, did he, was there ever a time he says he didn't like Jesus? Impossible. Why could I say God will not answer my prayers? You don't understand. It, re, it looks at my prayer as though Jesus was praying personally. Why would I say my life is not going well? See, you want to know who you are? Read Archer's Christ prayer. Jesus said, Father, you always hear me. Thank you. That's the way he hears me now. So when I pray, Father, you always hear me. Thank you. Because his hands has been crossed on my life. Jesus could not die until it was his time. Why should I be afraid of untimely death? He was strong and healthy. Why should I think that I will not, I will not be strong? His hands is crossed on my life. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know what this does to you? You become bold. Every time you want to start a business, I'm afraid I will lose. You see, that's the thing. Why am I afraid of losing? His hand is crossed on my life. His hand is crossed on my life. So, so you'll not get married. Really? Don't you understand? His hand is crossed on my life. He, he just wants to marry. Do you know how many people will marry? That will apply to marry him? Even males, including me. Lord, for this purpose, I become a woman. <laughs> because his hands, see, his hands is crossed on my life. The point is that you are behaving as if you don't know his hands is crossed on your life. So you keep looking at yourself and say, just imagine after that prayer, 
the second born still say that you know I'm the second born. Mm-mm. By that laying of hands, the second became the first. Do you know the same thing happened to Jacob himself? Because it should have been the God of what? Abraham. Isaac and who? Esau. What did he become? The God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Why? Hands was crossed on Jacob. So what Jacob should not have naturally, he had because hands were crossed on him. And God did that so that you will know that when the cross happened, it's a cross so that you will know hands have been crossed on your life. Let's pray. Can you see how valuable you are? Let's pray. This morning is a prayer of thanksgiving. It's a prayer of thanksgiving. Hands have been crossed on my life. You need to change your expectation. You need to change your paradigm. Hands has been crossed on my life. 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 The biggest prayer today is to thank him for his love and to begin to tell him that you believe the message. You believe the message. Hands has been crossed on my life. Hands have been crossed on my life. There's no reason why my prayers will not be heard. Oh my God. There's no reason why I will not receive miracles. There's no reason why I will not shine in life. Hands has been crossed on my life. Hands has been crossed on my life. Let's go ahead and thank him. Hands has been crossed on my life. Let's go ahead and thank him. Hands has been crossed on my life. Father, I worship you. Father, I praise you. Father, I honor you. Father, I honor you. I praise you. Oh, thank you, Jesus. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. And Father, my biggest prayer is that everyone will come into a deeper place of knowing you. Amen. We give you praise and glory. Amen. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Because God's hand has been crossed on your life, your results will change. Amen. You will not just see it, you will know it. Amen. And your life will line up with this prophecy. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Say, I'm valuable to God. I am valuable to God. I'm God's priority. I am God's priority. He's crossed his hands over my he life. Crossed his hand over my life. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Were you blessed this morning?